Let's pray. Our Father, on this Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the fact that your son rose from the dead, that we might rise from the dead, as we give you thanks for the fact that he died for our sins so that we don't have to die for our sin, as we celebrate the fact that he is alive right now so that we can be alive in him right now, we really don't have words, I don't have words, Lord, to express to you the depth of my gratitude. So, Father, we come to you on bended hearts and bended knees simply to thank you, simply to praise you, simply to receive from you the gift of your love and your love eternal. And, Father, on this very special historic Easter, our first time together in a year, Lord, how grateful we are that we get to come together again on Easter Sunday, that we get to celebrate life out of death on Easter Sunday, that we get to be together as part of the body of Christ to say that Jesus is risen indeed on Easter Sunday by your providence, by your grace, by your goodness and your love. So now, Father, as we have worshipped you, we hear your word, we respond to your spirit that Jesus might be as real in us as on that first Easter Sunday. I pray for me and us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how remarkable and wonderful and great it is, isn't it, to be in this place together again. A year ago, we didn't know. We didn't know. It's been a year like no other, has it? You've been hearing that? You don't want to hear that anymore. Someone told me yesterday, I'm tired of making history, you know, tired of all of that. And here we are, death to life, on this Easter Sunday. And Janet and I are so grateful to be here, so glad to see you. So glad to be able to worship with you again. It's not normal as the old normal, maybe it's a new normal, but to be able to be here and to get to do this. And before we study the scripture together and respond, I just have to express my gratitude to those that have made all this possible. Mike and Sheila Carter for a year, keeping this ministry alive and going and staying in touch with us. Thank you guys so, so, so much. So grateful. They have done so much that you've seen and a lot that you wouldn't have a way to know. For instance, if you turn that computer off and come back a year later, there's not going to be much of a computer there, right? I mean, even coming down here every couple of weeks and doing all of that and keeping all of this going and everything that happened. And in the course of a year, all the kind of questions about the building and the future of the building and Mike and Jennifer just stepping up and buying the chapel so that we can use the chapel. And we are just so grateful. Thank you. And thanks for receiving our lease payment a minute ago, Mike. Grateful. Thank you for, for doing that as well. And just this team, David Stalker, the entire board, that has made it possible for us to be able to do this. And now here we are. And we get to do this, and we get to have worship, and we get to celebrate Easter. And so I'm going to do today what pastors and priests and ministers all over billions of Christians gathering around the world on Easter Sunday are doing. We do this every Easter. I'm going to say to you what we've been saying for 20 centuries. I'm going to say He is risen, and you're going to say He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. And that is the good news of God's grace. Would you stand with me in honor of his word as we look together at that first Easter Sunday from Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 28 says, After the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. 
Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone, and sat on it. I love that. I've never preached on that. Some Sunday I'm going to preach on and sat on it. I just think that's so cool. Sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The first Easter. How could that be our Easter today? Thank you. Please be seated. When you think of Monday, Thursday, and Jesus' Last Supper leading to Good Friday and then to Easter Sunday, the image that comes to mind for you, first of all, I would imagine is this, right? Leonardo's famous The Last Supper. Well, there's another Last Supper that has been in the news in recent days. I wanted to tell you about it. It looks like that. It's 12 feet long, 5 feet tall. It was found hanging in this church, a church called St. Michael's and All Angels, a small congregation, a town of about 10,000 called Ledbury in western England. Been there since 1909, and the story behind the painting is incredible. Absolutely incredible. So this church, some years ago, brought in a church, an art historian and conservator, to look at another piece of art. As he was, he noticed this painting. At that time, it was in great disrepair. It had been neglected. It had been hanging on this wall for a hundred years. No one knew where it came from. No one knew its background. But he became interested in it. Three years ago, the church hired him to do its history and to restore it. He and another colleague spent 11,000 hours studying the history of the painting, the provenance of the painting, and then three months restoring it. And here's what they discovered. If you look over to the far left, you see that disciple on the far left in the golden robe there? Over there to the end of the table? Here's a close-up of him. That is a self-portrait of a Renaissance painter named Tiziano Vecellio, better known as Titian. Looks like Titian, it's pronounced Titian. One of the greatest masters of the Renaissance. He painted it. He painted himself as a disciple in it. He and his school created this work of art. When they finished the restoration, notice that vat for water, that jug there, they found on it his name. They had no idea that hanging in disrepair for decades, maybe centuries, was a masterpiece by one of the greatest painters in history, and nobody knew it. Well, just like we can overlook paintings, we can overlook places. We can even overlook tombs. Not all tombs. If you go to Moscow, want to find the tomb of Lenin, it's not hard to find. It says so right there. And how do we know that's the tomb of Lenin? Because guess who's inside? Lenin, right? Who's buried in Grant's tomb, as the joke says. If you are a Muslim and go to Mecca, you can find the tomb of Muhammad under that green dome because there are the remains of Muhammad. 
If you're in D.C. and you have some time and you've not done this, I encourage you to go by Ford Theater. That, of course, is where Abraham Lincoln was shot. And you can see there to the left, see the bunting, see the flags there. That's the booth where he and his wife were seated when he was shot. And then his body, not yet dead, was carried across the street to the Peterman boarding house, and that's where he died. I've seen that. I would encourage you to go see it. It's a remarkable thing, the actual room where he died. And we know that because he died there. By contrast, 40 years ago last Tuesday, President Ronald Reagan was shot. Now, for some of you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. For some of us, we remember that like it was yesterday, right? Forty years ago, when he was shot, John Hinckley, all of that, he was rushed to the George Washington University Hospital, and he recovered in that room and walked out of the hospital on April the 11th, a couple weeks later. Nobody knows where the room is. I couldn't find it online. I found this picture of it, but there's no plaque there. There's no marker. There's no history about it. And the reason is he walked out. Had he died there... Had he died in that room, just like Abraham Lincoln, and you'd know that. There'd be a marker, there'd be history, there'd be all of that. But as it is, nobody really cares because he walked out. Nobody knows where the tomb of Jesus is. We don't know. Now, when you go to Israel, I love taking people to Israel. We'll take you to Church of the Holy Sepulchre. That's what it looks like after the Crusaders built it a thousand years ago. It was originally built three centuries after Jesus. It was destroyed by fire and earthquakes and damaging and raids and all of that and basically reconstructed. And you go in that door and you turn to the left and you go around to the right and you find the Edicule, which is a small chapel under that big dome. And inside is thought perhaps to mark the place of Jesus' burial and resurrection, perhaps Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And then we'll take you to the garden tomb outside Damascus Gate, one of my favorite places in the world. Maybe the place. Another option. You go in the door and you turn to the right. Excuse the grate there. That's to keep the tourists out. And on the back there is a fourth century cross. It says, Jesu Christu Alpha Omega. And on the far left over there would be the place where Jesus was buried, if that's the right tomb. Head on this side, feet on that side. But nobody really knows. And do you know why we don't know? Because he is not here. For he is risen. Just as he said. It's like Ronald Reagan's hospital room. Nobody marked it because nobody cared, because he has risen. Now, how do we know, and why does it matter? Here's how we know. We could spend a long time. I'll spend three minutes. I can tell you without a New Testament that Jesus Christ existed. If you let me talk to you about Tacitus or Marabarsarapian or Pliny the Younger or Josephus, if you let me talk to you about the Roman and the Greek and the Jewish historians, I can prove to you that Jesus existed, that he was crucified by Pontius Pilate, and that his first followers believed him to be raised from the dead. And then we have this empty tomb that skeptics for 20 centuries cannot explain. If the disciples stole the body, they overpowered those battle-hardened, battle-tested Roman guards that would have died for dereliction of duty. They got this body out. They somehow unwrapped it inside its mummified shroud and left the shroud there. Then they somehow brought this corpse back and put him through locked walls and made him cook breakfast at the, at the Sea of Galilee and convinced 500 people that he was alive and then tossed his body into heaven at the ascension. And then they kept the lie and they died for a lie. That's the disciples stole the body. The women stole the body, same thing. The authorities stole the body, they'd have shown it. Went to the wrong tomb, they'd have shown them the right tomb. 
Jesus didn't die on the cross. He survived three days in a mummified airtight shroud, and then he shoved aside the stone and overpowered the guards and appeared through locked doors and did the greatest high jump in history at the ascension. And at the end of the day, you've got an empty tomb and no explanation except he is not there, for he is risen. And it really happened. Now, why does it matter? Because what happened then can happen again today. And what happened on that Easter can happen on this Easter. We read it just a bit ago. They departed from the tomb with fear and great joy. They ran to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And they met him personally, and so can you. I mean no disrespect when I say that Islam does not believe you can meet Prophet Muhammad. Buddhists don't believe you can meet the Buddha. Hindu masters don't offer you the opportunity to meet the founding Hindu masters. Or Jewish people don't give you the chance to meet an ancient rabbi, Hillel or Shammai. You can meet Jesus. You can meet Jesus. If you haven't yet met Jesus, if you haven't asked Jesus to forgive your mistakes and be the Lord of your life, it's not about being Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic. It's not about joining a church. It's not about being a better person. It's about a personal relationship with a personal risen Lord. If you haven't met Jesus, no better day of the year than Easter, you can meet Jesus. Just as he came to these women, notice they didn't come to him. He came to them. See that? He's come to you. Maybe you thought you're here by coincidence. Maybe you thought you're here because your family made you get out of bed on Easter Sunday and come down to chapel. Maybe you thought you're here because it was your decision, not on some level it was, but on a whole nother level. You're here by the divine appointment and providence of God who knew before COVID that our first Sunday back was going to be Easter Sunday and you were going to be here and now Jesus has come here to meet you. And you can clasp his feet by faith and you can ask him to forgive your mistakes and failures and be the Lord of your life. And your life will never be the same. And today can be Easter for you. And if you've done that, if you know that it's true, and if you've experienced Jesus personally, then there's one last piece of Easter for you. Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. You can serve him by serving others. The missing link for a lot of us who emphasize the need for a salvation experience is we don't tell you what to do after that. The best way to grow in Jesus is to serve Jesus. The best way to know Jesus personally is to serve someone else in the name of Jesus. It's to help somebody else know the story. It's to meet somebody else's need. It's to meet somebody else at the place of their hurt the way that God met you at the place of your hurt. So let me ask you, first of all, do you believe it's true? Do you know that he is risen? that he's risen indeed. Do you know that that is true? Have you met him personally? When last did you meet him personally? When last did reading the Bible change your life? When last did God speak to you in prayer? When last did you sense his presence in worship? When last, not that you were religious, not that you went to chapel or to church, when last did you meet Jesus? What will you do tomorrow because you had Easter today? Who will you serve? What need will you meet? With whom will you share? What price will you pay? 
in my life, the best way for me to be willing to pay a price to serve Jesus is to remember the price he paid for me. When last did it cost you something to follow Jesus? What price will you pay to serve the one who paid everything for you because of Easter? I'll close with this. 1985, March 15th, this man, Mr. Wayne Alderson, appeared on the Today Show. Kind of an odd thing. Not a celebrity, not a singer, not an actor, not an athlete. Actually, a labor negotiator from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on the Today Show, March 15, 1985. Reason being, that was the day, 40 years to the day earlier, when Mr. Alderson was the first American wounded in World War II crossing the Siegfried Line, the western border, into Germany. See the crease on his head? From that wound that day 40 years earlier to the day. First American wounded crossing actually into Germany. The interviewer asked him what he remembered most about the occasion. Mr. Alderson said, it was my red-haired friend who saved my life told the story. As he's marching, he comes upon a German soldier. He shoots the soldier, but not before the soldier lobbed a grenade at him that exploded at his feet and threw him back onto the ground face first. Just then, a nearby German pillbox, submachine guns, saw him and began shooting in his direction. And Mr. Alderson said that he knew then that if the grenade didn't kill him, the machine gun would. Just then, his red-haired friend appeared, rolled his body over in the mud so he could breathe, threw his body over him, protecting him from the deadly fire. And 40 years later, with tears in his eyes, Wayne Alderson said, I can never forget the person who sacrificed his life to save me. I owe everything to him. What do we owe? The one who sacrificed everything for us. Let's pray together. On this Easter Sunday of all Easter's, this historic Easter for us, first of all, let me ask you, do you believe it's true? Do you know that He is risen indeed? Do you know that He is not here for He has risen? Do you believe that that is true? Have you asked Jesus to forgive your mistakes and be your Lord? If you have not, let me urge you to do that today. No better day of the year than this day. Get alone with Jesus. Very simply, just ask Him to forgive your sins, forgive your mistakes. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life. Ask Him to make you the child of God. Then tell a Christian what you've done so they can help you to grow in your new faith. If you remember doing that, if you know that you've met Jesus, when last did you meet Jesus? When last did you have Easter? When last did the risen Christ meet you? Why not today? Why not take some time today to read His Word, to pray, to worship? Why not make a commitment on this Easter Sunday that every day will be Easter? Why not make a commitment today to meet the risen Jesus every day? And then last, would you make your commitment to the risen Jesus today that tomorrow will be Easter? And that you will meet needs as your needs are met. And you will care as you've been cared for. And you will love as you were loved. And you will help someone else as you have been helped. 
so that Easter will be real tomorrow because you had Easter today. Father God, I thank you that because of what happened 20 centuries ago, what happened in this room here today is real. It's real. And Jesus is risen indeed. And he has risen in our hearts, and now he wants to be risen in our world through us. May that be true. May we never be the same for having met him today. May we never forget what he did. May we never stop telling what he did. May we never stop meeting the one who did it. And may every day be Easter. I pray for me and for us. In Jesus' name.